0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Bonifatix. And Father, we concluded last episode talking about how there are many different pathways to charity and love. And how many of us, I think, miss some of the basic starting points that having gone phase out of everyday life, but using your example of how If miracles, even though they happen all the time, don't view like miracles because they're happening all the time, um, particularly through the sacraments, um, how examples of charity tend to tend to have the same thing, because at least in my vision, when I think of charity, I think of things that, um, you know, people going to to a soup kitchen or something like that um, and actually physically doing things where. People don't consider, even though I think they should, um, giving, pe- giving donations to charities and stuff like that is, is equally important as being involved with a charity on their board as far as um, everything. They need both. People would actually come up and willing to help, but if there's no money, it doesn't really work either. Um, so, so they're not to say that one's more important than the other because you certainly need both. Um, but I think that the way we view things sometimes is that almost giving a check is an easy way out, and we can't do it. And I start there because I think that there are many examples that we do towards charity that people just—it's just what they're supposed to do, so it doesn't count. You know, you're supposed to, you know, feed your children, so that doesn't count as charity. Um, you know, you're supposed to be nice in general, and kind of functional in life. So you're doing that. So that doesn't really count. So I wanted to kind of highlight and talk about things that we do do and should appreciate because it is going down that road and it does lead towards better things. And, you know, focusing on these regular activities can ultimately lead us to give more attention to it, do them better and therefore have a better result of more charity. That being said, that entire framework I just created could be completely flawed um so that's why I want to hand it to you before we uh i take us out a completely wrong direction
1: yeah, thanks for uh opening up those subjects we we have a little bit of a vocabulary problem uh probably in every language but uh, certainly in English when I say charity in in my mind is always caritas uh and uh anyway that's 've I've tied words together that normal people don't necessarily tie together, but uh, charity in in Greek is agape, and in in Greek, the expressions of love uh, have a little bit more nuance than in English. in english we have we have love that comes to us through the German language from Liebe, and we have charity that comes to us from French, uh, or whatever it is. and so. We distinguish those two words a little bit, but, uh, charities doesn't have the full kind of biblical sense that, that, uh, we would find in the Greek, for example. So, so we've sort of tied together charity, like with charities, uh, Catholic charities or doing charity work or giving to charity, uh, more than we use the the word in a straightforward, uh, well, in the in the biblical way. So, uh, so you're exactly right. Now, now charity, where all of those things are charity, <laughs> they are a uh, caritas, agape, which is really self-sacrificial uh, love, willing the good of the other. Is a simple definition that I'm going to do what's good for someone else, and even at my own expense. I mean, that's a that's what we're ca- talking about, and that's the sort of uh, deep movement of God that we participate in when we say God is love, God is charity, and uh, he who abides in, in love abides in God and God in him. That's, uh, that's self-sacrificing, or that willing the good of the other, even at, at the expense of ourselves, and that's ultimately revealed by Christ on the cross. Uh, Christ crucified is the ultimate icon of Christian charity. So if you want the full definition of charity in the biblical sense, look at a cross. That's where he wills the good of all of us, our salvation, even at the greatest expense to himself, bearing all of the suffering and sin of the world and, uh, and dying on a cross. So uh, that's the fullest sense. Just to, to dip into the one area that you opened up there in terms of Charity in the uh, sense of really works of mercy is probably where that fits a little bit better if we want a more limited definition. Corporal works of mercy, so bodily works of mercy in particular. And, and you're so right, the, it's become a little bit trite in Catholic circles, I suppose, but maybe not for non-professionals. We talk about time, talent, and treasure. And it's actually a very useful division of, of ways that we can give. As you pointed out, certainly time in uh, works of mercy, bodily works of mercy, like a food kitchen or a a food pantry or a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter or something like that, that uh, giving our time, even if we don't feel like we have a particular gift for it, but just having a warm body there, to say it in a very crass way, but just having a person there who has a face and who is willing to sacrifice some of their time, you're saying to someone you're worth my time. Time is really the most limited resource we have. We can increase wealth, we can't increase time. And so, to give our time is really meaningful, and uh, is is important. And then, when we can give our talent, and that's the kind of person who knows how to cook at a soup kitchen. That's always a nice thing if mm-hmm. you have somebody there who knows how to cook, and the person who's willing to do that. Let alone a person who cooks really well. And then we start to move into some kind of beautiful things, the gourmet chef who makes meals for homeless men. And there's something really beautiful about that where we see incredible talent put in the service of those who could never earn it and who really feel like they don't deserve it. Uh, Talent in that sense or talent in the organizational sense. It's wonderful to have somebody who can kind of manage the process and who, who has a real knack for loving others, who has a knack for relationships and can really be present to the the men and women who come to a soup kitchen, or uh, a person who can manage a food pantry, or or the person who can really take care of the the legal needs for a a homeless shelter, or um, you know someone like yourself who knows houses and real estate and construction crews and has connections and can can manage to help somebody who's in need get somebody who wants to do a little bit of good uh, good work to to do some work on their house. You know, there's a lot of ways that we can share our talent. And, and that feels really good. Uh, I've also become sensitive to uh, uh, CEOs, you know, businessmen who are really gifted at, at strategy and, and visioning and creating governance processes and management and asking them to come and help in a parish. You know, priests, pastors often don't have those skills. They have other skills but they really need those skills. And so rather than just asking uh, a businessman to open up his pocketbook, how wonderful to ask him to give those talents to the parish uh, or to some particular activity in the parish. And then as you say, that the the treasure is also important. We can't, you know, money does make the world go round in many ways. And Mm -hmm. so having that donation of money makes an incredible difference. And, and every penny counts, you know, that's a, and, the, and I have to say, the church is particularly efficient because we do, we have a lot of volunteers and, and our, our bureaucracy is much more limited. Uh, to run a school district, a Catholic school, is, is a, a lot less people at the diocesan levels and, and uh, higher organizational levels than, than running a, a public school system. When, you know, the way that we manage our, our parishes that have millions of people uh, attending them. Uh, are are managed on a very small staff, a very small budget, comparatively speaking. So it really is a good donation. Not that there aren't some boneheaded moves and there are some bad examples in terms of money management. But uh, by and large, really, it's incredibly efficient use of money because of uh, the, the motivation that people have in their hearts. Because we get some of the most talented people whom we could never afford, but because they volunteer their time, a little money goes a long way with very talented people. So uh, time, talent, and treasure is really good to invest in the world of works of mercy or charity in the way that we often uh, use that word. And that's just a part of charity when I speak about the word as the uh, the highest expression, you know, what miracles lead towards and uh, the kind of charity for the poor is, is one expression of that ultimate charity, which involves uh, the, the love of a husband for his wife and the, the love of a wife for a husband, the love of parents for children that's willing the good of the other, even to the expense of self, that self-sacrificing love.
0: And as you go through that, you, you see the almost inherent requirement to make ourselves more talented in that that, in its nature, making ourselves more talented will create um, more charity. It, it, as it, it, it's an additive, if not multiplying, effect to it. So obviously, there's some vocations that people can directly and instinctually think like, "Oh, you're a nurse working in the ER. You're directly saving lives. That's a you know a direct gift of charity. We can see how you're helping things." Versus okay, you've figured out how to make paint a different color. Like, does that really matter? Well, yeah, it does. You know, for years and, you know, we have always known that black absorbs the most heat and energy, but every single roof and tar product for decades was black. And then we started building things in really hot places like the desert and everything out there was black. And some guy realized You know, if we do this shade of paint, we will save the heating costs of this building. So now the building guy wants to use that blah, blah, blah. So at the end of the day, what happened? He's using less electricity. The electricity then goes to more people. And instead of them spending money on electricity, you can spend it on developing their talents, giving it to other forms of charity. And essentially every innovation, whether directly or indirectly, is helping someone around you. And I think that's one of the the joys of our economy at the end of the day, because no one's forcing you to buy anything. People go to things that help them either in their wants or needs the most. So if you're helping with those, which a successful business is by default, you are helping creating a better life for the person recipient. You know, if if every farmer woke up today and said, I'm not making grain or food anymore, Well, how's that going to work for everyone else? So we wouldn't think of raising a cow as being an act of charity or a talent, but if it wasn't here, how bad would everything be? So I think that these are the types of things that we overlook and don't think of that. You know, we don't think of fly by country or fly over country as, you know, they're doing anything important down there, but if they didn't exist, we wouldn't exist And I think that there's so that's on a big economic spectrum, but I think there's so many things in our every individual day life that we just miss that we just overlook because it's routine. So therefore if it's routine, it can't be special kind of going back to the the discussion about miracles. If I'm constantly doing something right, it's expected. And if it's expected, it doesn't feel special. Um, And that might be a, a psychological human nature thing that, that, I'm trying to discuss here, but the importance of do, of recognizing what we're doing, even if it's small or ordinary, of having such meaningful impact and helping so much more than us. Because a lot of us can see the negative, you know, does, does a father being around help? Well, yeah. Can we prove it directly by the conversations you're having with a kid? No, but we can certainly prove that a child raised with only a single parent is statistically way worse off in every measurable way. So something does matter even if we can't concretely prove what actually is doing is the the missing ingredient, if you will. So mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to focus on that a little bit to, to basically tell people, you know, we're doing, we're doing important things and it's not just so that, we're avoiding hell. It's actually creating charity and having a, a massive multiplier effect.
1: Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I I would just, uh, well, I love, I love everything that you just said there. And, uh, if I can, uh, augment, uh, one thing you talked about how talent, uh, leads to greater charity. And I, I, would say talent can, lead to greater charity. And that's actually, we need to couple those things together. We need to develop talent. And we also need to put talent in the service of charity. Now, as you point out, the guy that's making better roofing tiles may not have in mind uh, the ripple effect, of, uh, the potentially positive ripple effect that that will have. But he can have that in mind to a certain degree. And, and the more that we can have that in mind, and the, and the more that we can be somewhat intentional and thoughtful about charity uh, is, is really valuable. And so uh, I always forget St. Therese or Mother Teresa, and maybe one, uh, maybe Mother Teresa quoted St. Therese, but uh, ordinary things with extraordinary love. So we can always put more love into what we're doing. And uh, just because we're creating roofing tiles doesn't mean that it has to be devoid of love. We can create roofing tiles with love. And so we should just be putting love into everything that we're doing. And then, um, as John of the Cross said, where there is no love, put love, and then you will find love. If we put love in, we get love out. And and, and in fact, in a multiplying way, love is always uh, spreading itself. And so when we do things with love, and then that's going to affect the quality, uh, the way that we do them, uh, the way that we interact with others as we do them it's, it affects all of that. But then also to say, uh, as you mentioned earlier, love is infinite. uh, And so the smallest act of love is also infinite. The largest act of love is infinite. And so uh, whether a small act of love, that is to say a small thing with great love or a great thing with great love, there's great love. And that makes it accessible also to the, the housewife and it makes it accessible to the poor man. And it makes it accessible to the uh, you know, the Jeff Bezos of the world who uh, have lots of uh, power and privilege and opportunity. So uh, love is the measure and love is the opportunity and love is what we want to maximize and love is what we want to put into everything and what we want to get out of everything. And we want to put everything into the service of love. And, and so that really, it really shifts our perspective. It shifts our intentionality, it shifts our motivation, it shifts our, our priorities and what we what we make primary. We don't sacrifice love for the sake of product. We sacrifice product for the sake of love. You know, the orienting those those priorities makes a, a big difference in how we how we live and work and serve and enter into relationships.
0: So let's dive into that a little bit more. So say you're like most of us sitting behind a computer all day and you know maybe working from home, maybe working in a line of cubicles, as I've done in my prior life, just sitting in front of a computer and not really having interaction, you know, Um, kind of thinking that is because it was my worst job I've ever had in my life, like the most drab and soulless thing I've ever had. Um, Using that as the hardest example, how could we kind of insert love into that type of situation, just sitting at a computer and getting blinded by white screens?
1: Well, I guess I would, I would question what the inner dialogue is that's going on in that setting. Uh, the, the external result may be very much the same from one cubicle to the next, but what's the inner dialogue? What am I thinking about? Who am I doing it for? Uh, who am I having conversations with in my head? Who do I wish were actually seeing the product of my work? Who who do I wish were there to help me when I run into difficulties? Who am I looking forward to seeing when I go home? Uh, wh- where do I find my motivation to keep going? Am I uh, doing it out of fear of my boss and the, the whip that's going to crack? Am I hearing the, the negative criticisms of uh, those who will review my work? Or am I doing it out of uh, love for God and love for neighbor? Am I doing it out of love for my family and to provide for them? I'd say that the difference is going to be in the internal state of the person working. That internal dialogue is going to make a uh, the difference in whether I'm uh, doing it out of love, uh, with great love, or whether I'm doing it out of bitterness and hatred and uh, feeling forced into that place. And that's where we can see when we see the freedom of the interior space. Now, I'm, I'm painting that in somewhat uh, idyllic terms because I'm making it sound like no matter what, uh, we can just choose one or the other. I mean, the reality is, mm-hmm. when we're in environments of negativity, and when the boss is breathing down our neck, it becomes very hard to do it for uh, have an inner dialogue of love uh, with uh, with the Blessed Virgin Mary, or thinking of uh, your wife being there, and and that you're working for your family, and you're going to bring home a check to to put food on the table for your son. You know, it makes it hard when when there are negative factors coming at us but it's not impossible. And that's what we can aim towards. That's real interior freedom to be able to have a space, an interior space that's inviolable and that we keep sacred for the Lord and for those loving relationships in our lives. And that's what, uh, saints were able to do in concentration camps. You know, that's, uh, that is possible. Our, our bodies get beaten up and our minds become weary and, and it's, it's harder to maintain the, kind of, uh, uh, purity or, uh, elegance of that internal dialogue, but, uh, but it's possible to move in that direction. And that's, that's one area that we can really, uh, make a transformation in today we can start working on today.
0: And, and I love the fact that that's something that we can flip ourselves. There's no, you have to be able to run a four, three to be able to do this. You don't need to be a physical specimen or have a PhD. It's something we internally can choose, and that's something that we can do moving forward here throughout the upcoming week to think about, you know, am I getting trapped into a, a negative situation or am I looking for the positive outcomes out of this? Because at the end of the day, unless I'm misconstruing something here, the positive outcomes are ultimately going to be based in relationships and love. You know, I'm doing this for someone. When You were going through that list of questions, who am I doing this for? Um, on earth, it's going to be for someone that's going to be a relationship that generates love by default and, and charity is the path of getting there. So um, unless I was incorrect about that, that was the uh, the the answer I was getting. It's something that we all can mentally choose to do. So something that we can think of as we're moving forward and in our lives, uh, both this week and, and in the long term. So we thank uh, thank you for doing this episode with me today, Father, and we'll be with everyone again next week.